Hi, this is Lori. And this is Rachel. Welcome to Tales, Tales from, from the Rock Side. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Mom. Lori. Ooh, I don't know what to call you on this. Ooh, ew, ew. Lori. <laughs> what up, Malori? That sounds like um, an actual name, though. It does. And it's not your name. Yeah, and it's not my name. It's mom. <laughs> anyway, how are you today? Uh, a little tired, but not too bad. I got my coffee. I got my dog. Doing Good. great. How about you? Good. Not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling like I'm going to go to the gym today. So <laughs> We're I'm working on those New Year's aspirations. If I, if I say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, if you say it so that people can hear you, I'm going to say it. at least, I'm going to throw a dozen people, maybe, yeah. can hear you, then Anybody that's enough. to do it. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to say yes. It's so easy. I don't mind being there. I hate going there. There's, yeah. Is that weird? No, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just because it's not like, you don't want to get in the car. Yeah. And, and then go, go somewhere. I don't no, know. I know. Yeah. I'm a homebody. No, I am too. Oh, well. What are you going to do? Anyway. Okay, homebody. I got a story for you today. You got a story? Yeah. Is it a good story? Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting story. It's story time. It's an interesting story. I'm going to sit crisscross. Yeah. It's hard to say good, but it's an interesting story. It's a story. It's a story. Yeah. Is it the story of Dewey Cox? It's not the story of Dewey Cox. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. But today we're going to talk about someone who is often called or used to be called the father of soul music. Uh-huh. And his, Daddy soul. <laughs> his murky death. Ooh. Sam Cooke. Daddy soul. Oh, no. Sam Cooke. Do you know who he is? I've heard of him, yes. But you don't really know the Not a much, no. Um, source material for this is from The Mysterious Death of Sam Cooke by Lydia Hutchinson. Thank you, Lydia Hutchinson, for writing a book. Yeah, from biography.com website and from Wikipedia. Cool. Of course. Anyway, here we go. All right, give me the story of, give me the tale of Daddy Soul. Daddy Soul. Uh, Sam Cooke was born Samuel Cooke in Clarksdale, Mississippi. In Ooh, big stage name change. 1931. <laughs> He actually, his name, the family name is spelled uh, C-O-O-K, and he added an E to the end, so it's C-O-O-K-E. Ooh. Yeah. It's kind of like Marvin Gaye did the same thing, um, and I think that, Oh, I didn't know that he added that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I think that um, for Marvin, I think he got the idea from Sam Cooke to do that. Right. But he also wanted to change it because, obviously, he had been teased a lot for the yeah. know, homosexual... There's, leanings in his name and it really bothered him well yeah there's yeah. a guy i watched on youtube who had to change his last name because his last name was dyke and he literally had to change it because youtube was demonetizing him because of wow. his last effing name wow uh, his name was rob dyke you can still find him under yeah. that i don't remember what his new name is i'm sorry it's been a hot second yeah he does true crime videos he's very fun but yeah, yeah it was insane that is crazy yeah so if you have a if you have a last name that yeah, that pops up it in any pops up in any kind of yeah. slur or just yeah. gay or yeah. just you know what I mean. Your algorithm you, you might want to you might yeah. want to be careful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was the fifth of eight children. Woof. Born born to the Reverend Charles Cook, who okay. was a minister in the Church of Christ Holiness, and his wife Annie May. Annie May. Yeah, it's a cute name, isn't it? I love that. That's and, so it's very uh <laughs> it's very preacher's wife name. It is. It is. As one of his younger brothers, L.C., later became a member of a doo-wop band, Johnny Keys and the Magnificence. So there's, Cute like, name. music. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And and obviously being 
in a religious family, you know, there's a lot of music in that. Too. Yeah. Uh, the family moved to Chicago when Sam was two, and he is in, he and his siblings began singing together as the singing children when he was six years old. Wow. Um, and this was a gospel music right. group in church. He began singing lead as a teenager in a gospel group, and he met and became friends with Lou Rawls mm-hmm. at the time, who also became a very well-known singer. You probably don't know. Uh, not much in there. Really big in, like, the 70s, um, and a really, really deep voice, real distinctive. I bet um, if I heard something, I'd recognize it, but yeah, there's what was the nothing. Big song? The big song was called You're Gonna Miss My Lovin'. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not yeah, and here's a little fun fact, but your grandma thought he was real sexy. Really? Yeah. Wow, go grandma. Yeah. My, like, grandma-grandma? My mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure, because sometimes you say grandma, and you mean your grandma. No, no. Gotcha. No, no, my mom. That's very cute. Yeah, I think she, he had a, he had one of those, like, uh, singing voices that was like the... The hot voice? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the Isaac Hayes kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing, you know. <laughs> ooh, baby, baby. Not that kind of ooh, baby, baby, but that deep, you know. What are you talking about? That's it's the like, sexiest song. It's, it's, the, it's the slow bone kind of <laughs> No, sexy. I got you. <laughs> I don't like the word grandma and slow bone in the same world. <laughs> All right, we'll move. We'll move Can we move away? Can we move ahead, please? But anyway, he became friends with Lou Rawls, who was in a rival gospel group. In 1950, at the age of 19... He became the lead singer for the Soul Stirrers, who was a gospel group that had been around since the 1930s. The Soul Stirrers or the Soul Stirrers? Stirrers. Yes, okay. The Soul Stirrers. Stirrers. It feels like they could have come up with Stirrers. a better name, but continue. I mean, this is a gospel group that I think they're actually still around. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. They started in the 30s. They just have had, you know, revolving. They're like a K-pop yeah. group. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but it, like it's a gospel. No, so I know. They're singing all these, you know, traditional gospel. There might be yeah. religious K-pop groups. Although I, do think I honestly don't know. some originals in there, too, but mostly it's the traditional gospel. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Um, they had been a moderately successful group before Sam joined, but Sam really brought a whole new younger crowd of listeners. I'm going to say he's 19 at the time. Oh, okay. Sam had a really beautiful singing voice. It was very clear, very enunciated. Um... He had this way of, like, doing trills and stuff up on the scale. Um, And so a lot of runs and stuff in his vocal style. And he was a really good-looking guy. Right. So there was a lot of women that started following the group. A lot of young girls that started, you know. Well, yeah. But, I mean, 19, you know. Yes. That's kind of the age for... Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, he really, like like I said, this is a group that had been around for a while. These guys are a little bit older. And then all of a sudden you get this good-looking young guy who can really sing. Right. And, you know, is a very magnetic personality. And all of a sudden, all of the young teener, teenager girls... Little teen buffers. Like, mm, I think I'm going to go to church because the solsters are going to be there. <laughs> That's a, the only reason to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, their songs with Sam included... And the food. Just throwing it out there. Church, church lady food. Mm. <laughs> their songs with Sam included Jesus Gave Me Water, Peace in the Valley... I thought he gave wine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so funny. sorry. How far am I from Canaan? Jesus paid the debt and one more river. And Sam was starting to write some of the songs. Oh, okay, too, cool. You know. So that went on for um, about six years. Woof. He was with them. Uh, that, uh, like, fairly successful. They were recording. Right. And, you know. <laughs> it was just funny. You were like, well, that went on for uh, like six 
years. Well, I'm, not really, I'm not really chronicling his gospel years. No, it was Although just... I've listened to some of the recordings, and they are really good. No, it was just funny, the, like, um... I thought you were going to say, like, like, a year or something. No, no, he was like, for a while. Like, no, that's a big-ass gap of time. Yeah, that's why I was yeah. like, wait, it was what? Almost like, if you think, think about it, you know, he started at age 19. Yeah. He left when he was 25. Yeah. It was almost like he, it was college It was college years, for the most part. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but around, by around 1956, he was kind of starting to feel confined by that, you know, the gospel right. music. And he had, a lot of people were telling him, you should go secular. Yeah. And, um... Like, a lot of people in the music industry, they'd hear him, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you could be hugely successful, right. you know, if you start doing something else. But he was really afraid of, like, in at that time, you really didn't do both music. If you were doing gospel, you did not do secular music, because the gospel music community was like... Judging. You, yeah, judging. <laughs> it was like you strayed, you know, that oh, was okay. a real big problem. They were Weird. Like, yeah, they would really reject you. So he was you worried about that. You would think that just... Let other people. This yeah, is sad. yeah. I mean, I, whatever. I, I understand, like, um, <laughs> this is our music. <laughs> well, it's not just that. It's it's like, um, there's that. Well, if you start doing secular music and touring those crowds, you're gonna be straying away from the oh of God. You're gonna be banging down and and smoking up. Yeah, basically. Is that a sentence? Uh, not really, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the thought behind it. Got it, I see. Um, it's like when people are like, oh, you smoke weed, you must also love heroin. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just like, oh, well, you're going to be in these situations where you're going to be tempted to, you know, hang out with loose women. I mean, I always want to hang out with loose women because they're the most fun. As a loose woman. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that is the, definitely the thought. Yeah, no, I gotcha. Um, it said, uh, I, I do kind of want a tattoo that just says loose woman, loose woman, loose yeah. woman hey, yeah, he was, a, he was afraid of alienating his gospel fan base. I thought you were going to say aliens. He was afraid of aliens, <laughs> as we all are. No, of alienating his gospel fan base. It took me a second to, I like kind of forgot what podcast we were on and I was like, he was afraid of aliens. Where did this come from? Rachel said, let's talk about aliens. I said, No. <laughs> Just wait till I get up an episode. Of... Shut it down. <laughs> Just wait till I get an episode. We're talking about the guy from uh, ooh, not Reliant K. What's the other one? Oh, Forty Seconds to Mars. No, doesn't matter. He's super into aliens. Jared Leto? Not Jared Leto. Oh, it's another guy. It's from that same era of bands where it was all like that punky. Yeah. You know what? I'll come up with it, and that'll be my episode, and I get to talk Perfect. about aliens. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so he released his first pop soul single. Um, <laughs> Called The Aliens Are Coming. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Under the name Dale Cook. Oh, okay. Because I think he was like, I'm going to, I'll put it under a different uh, name so no one will figure out that it's me. The so CIA I'll could never. <laughs> I'll change it from Sam to Dale. The CIA a, could never. A huge leap. Uh-huh. Oh, I have a dog. Oh, like, hello. Oh, like, don't. <laughs> like man, <laughs> I think you turned you turned into Shaggy for a second. <laughs> you got the dog, and you were like, man. <laughs> Sorry about the noise. She's smacking the microphone around. She can't help it. Look how happy she is. No, she she thinks I'm gonna sit here and pet her, but I can't. I'm working on a podcast right now. Don't give me the pleaty eyes. Also, a picture of this pleaty dog. She's real cute on the on the on our Instagram. Anyway, 
Sorry. Let's, let's get back to the story. We're talking, we'll stop talking about aliens and Dale and the CIA. Well, we can talk about Dale because that's pertinent to the story. Oh, sorry. Because he changed his name to Dale. Well, he didn't change his name. He just, he recorded this song and put it out under the name Dale. Anyway, this song was called Lovable. And it was a remake of a gospel song called Wonderful. So they just took this he, gospel all song. All they did was his, put, he's, put new lyrics to it. I'm gonna throw it out here. He's not the master of the skies. <laughs> no, not exactly. It said it didn't it didn't fool anyone. Duh. Everybody, anybody that was in gospel and knew his voice, as soon as you heard it on this song, you're like, Oh, that's Sam. Well duh. It, you know, it, its voice didn't sound different. <laughs> he didn't auto tune. <laughs> yeah. Um, he left Specialty Records, which was the Soul Stirrers label, and in 1957, he signed with Keen Records, and he released the song Summertime, but on the B-side... <laughs> summer, summer, summertime! No, I Not think, that song? No, I think it's the old uh, Gershwin song, <laughs> Summertime, from Corey and Beth. I believe that's what it is. But the B-side was a song called You Send Me. Oh, okay. Do you know that song? No. Okay. I would probably need to hear it. Oh, I'm not going to sing it. Come on! I just sang... Send me, darling, you. No, nope, nothing. I can't believe we don't know that song. Sorry. Anyway, it became a major hit. I got you to sing. <laughs> you did. Uh, sorry, people out there listening. They, li- they listen to mine and I'm tone deaf, so. <laughs> it became a major hit. It went to number one for three weeks on the Billboard Pop chart, and it was number one for six weeks on the R&B chart. Wow. That was a big hit. That's a big hit. Yeah. Crossover hit, too. A good yeah. for you. Yeah. So, and that pretty much ended his gospel career, you know. I I mean, mean, if you're going to go out, go out for bang. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like I said, he pretty much just went into pure secular music after that. Right. In 1958, he married his second wife, Barbara, in Chicago. We skip over that first one? Yeah, he'd been married for a few years before to a Dolores Milligan in 1953, and they divorced in 1958. And she was then killed in a car accident in 1959. Jesus. I know. And Sam paid for her funeral expenses. Oh, okay. So it was like an, an, an amicable divorce I, I for the most so. part. Okay. I think so. I mean, I, I didn't really find anything that talked about yeah. you know, his marriages. With with his second wife, Barbara, he had three children, uh, Linda, Tracy, and Vincent, but he Vincent died in their swimming pool Oof. in 63. Yeah. So. How old would he have been? Um, I He was little. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe two, maybe one and a half, two. Jesus. Yeah, it's really weird. There's a lot of rock stars who've had children die in swimming pools. It's It's, just, it's kind of that thing of you get successful and so you buy a house with a pool. Yeah. And nobody's used to being around pools. Well, it's like, they say, yeah, they say like in Florida, it's one of the highest reasons for infant. Because everybody has a pool. Yeah, for infant mortality is is drowning in the pool. Yeah. Because everybody's got a pool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like a, I think, a common incident. I think there's a lot more, like, products that you can get that have, like, sensors and stuff. That oh, I'm sure there are it. now. Yeah. yeah. Are now. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. But, like, you know, we're talking, what is this, 60-something or other? Oh, yeah, 63. Yeah, right? no. Yeah. They don't have, <laughs> they don't have those, like, cameras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not even, like, gate pools then. Yeah, you know? exactly. Okay, so. Fishnet. Yeah. After You Send Me, Sam's career was starting to take off, and he was touring a lot, as, like, every act in those days did. You you got a hit, even yeah. a minor hit, and you were, like, on the road. You were playing five to six nights out of the week, mm-hmm. you know. He recorded Wonderful World in 1959, but he left Keen Records under a royalty dispute before it was released, and he signed to RCA Victor in 1960. Oh, okay. 
Uh, Wonderful World was released by Keen in April of 1960, and re it reached number 12. And his music was like, it, it was, he was really the leading in sound of what they called the, it's like the new hybrid that they were calling soul music, which was like, you know, you had R&B, mm -hmm. and then you had country, and that mixed together and became rock, right. basically. And this was taking R&B, um, taking those rhythms, and then using the melodies of gospel music. Right. You know, so which, that which was very melodic, and that made soul music. Okay. Um, Sam was one of the first black artists to become involved in the production side of music. Good for him. Yeah, in 1961, he started his own record label, SAR Records. I don't know what that stands for. I was just not going to ask, yeah. so that's cool. SAR Records. <laughs> it Got was it. With Bobby Womack was one of his artists. Oh, okay. Um, he also created a publishi publishing and management firm named CAGS. That's Again, don't cool. Know why. Uh, Sam <laughs> named Kronos. <laughs> Sam himself had a string of hits on RCA, RCA Victor, including Chain Gang. I know that one. Okay. Uh, Cupid. Maybe. Cupid, draw back your bow. It sounds familiar, not, it's not yeah. hitting up. A lot of his songs, like if you see movies that are set in like the 60s, right. early 60s, a lot of them will have a song of his on uh, right. the soundtrack. Uh, Bring It On Home To Me, which had Lou Rawls in the backing vocals. Another Saturday Night. Nothing there either. And Twistin' the Night Away. Maybe. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I, I know that if you listen to the playlist, every time you hit yeah, one, Yeah, I'll like, probably oh, go, oh, I've heard, oh, that. I've heard that. Oh, oh I've, I've heard that. Oh, I've heard that one. Oh, I've heard that one. Yeah, probably yeah. that thing where I'll be like, oh, that's in this movie. Oh, that's in yeah. this movie. It's just, and, like, from the names, they're and, not yeah. hitting any. And his voice is so distinctive. Like, mm -hmm. as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, that's Sam Cooke. Got it. And then anytime you'll hear it in another song, you'll be like, I think that's a Sam Cooke song, because his voice is very distinctive. Gotcha. Um... In 1963, Sam signed a five-year contract with Alan Klein to become his manager. And Alan Klein was a very savvy business negotiator, and he got Sam a very lucrative deal on RCA Victor. Nice. And Alan Klein, we might do an episode on him. Oh, on yeah? Because he, he was also, for a while, the manager of the Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. He was very briefly John Lennon's manager. Um, and kind of the Beatles manager. Yeah. Like, towards the end there. Um but he was like somebody who, like, the artists would always think he's such a great manager because he's getting me this fantastic deal, this upfront deal where I'm getting way more money than I ever got before. But usually somewhere in that was where, like, Alan in some way either owned their rights yeah. or was, he was getting a hefty deal back. Yeah. You know, he was, yeah, he was kind of a snake. It sounds like Yeah, a, yeah, really was. I mean, like, kind of impressive, but also a little... Uh, Sketch. Yes. Um, the deal that he got included the formation of a label called Tracy, which is the name of one of his daughters. Oh, okay. Um, which would own the rights to Sam's songs, but this label was actually owned by Alan What Klein. a shock, yeah. <laughs> um, it, Sam's last hit, which was released posthumously, mm -hmm. uh, was called A Change Is Gonna Come, which Sam wrote A after... change did come. Yeah. But he, it's a song, is a, a civil rights song. Gotcha. And he wrote it, he had heard Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he felt like, um, like he could hear what, what Blowing in the Wind was talking about and the change that needed to happen within civil rights. Right. And he went, I need to start working towards that, too. Oh, you yeah. Know, I, I can't just keep writing these fluff hits yeah. that are fluffy. I need to start helping uh, my people out. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, so he wrote that. And that song really kind of became the anthem for the right. civil rights movement. 
Um, Once okay. again, probably have heard it, just not. You probably the, have. You, you, know. pro- you probably have. Um, it's not as well known. I mean, I love now. a good documentary though. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's not as well known now right. as like you send me or well, yeah. some of those other songs. So we don't want to make you listen to my coffee. Okay. Can you ASMR it, please? <laughs> that sounded very weird in my headphones. Oh, you have upset the dog. Like she didn't like that. You've upset the dog. Like, if you're doing ASMR, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> Actually, you can barely hear I anymore. I am not interested in that. You can barely hear. Why yeah. are you not interested in ASMR? I'm not interested in that bullshit. Oh, there she goes. <laughs> Little weirdo. All right. Um, so. Most of the account of his death, I'm going to take verbatim from Linda Hutchinson's article because it's really, really well written. Okay. She's, she really broke down what happened? the timeline really well. Gotcha. So. All right. Hit me with it, Linda. Here we go. On the night of December 11th, 1964, Sam was having dinner with producer Al Schmidt and his wife Joan at an Italian restaurant, Martoni's. Mmm. Italian. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sam got caught up at the bar with some friends, and he was drinking pretty heavily. So he really didn't eat dinner. Like, he went to dinner oh. with them, saw some friends at the bar, went over, started talking to them, started yucking it up. Yeah, got a time. little distracted. Yeah. And he caught the eye of a pretty 22-year-old girl named Elisa Boyer. He's still married? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just checking. That's all. Um... Who am I to judge? I think, I think we do talk about that later on. So cool. Anyway, um, they got start. They sat sat down in the booth and they started talking and flirting. You know how right. you do when you first meet somebody, especially and, when you're married. Yeah. Sorry. And then they <laughs> left the restaurant around 1 a.m. in Sam's brand new red Ferrari. Hey. And they headed to a nightclub called PJs. Do you only wear pajamas? I don't think so. Because that's a cute idea. Yeah, it would be a idea. cute idea, but I don't think that they went and got pajamas on to go to this nightclub. No, but I love that idea. Yeah, I doubt it. It's probably the owner's initials. Guys, who wants a club where you are only allowed to wear PJs? I guess you can start that next. Cool. That's what I mean. I'm saying, like, do people oh, want that? Oh, I see. You're trying to see. Like, I'm trying to get, business? let me get a, let me get, here, let me lay it down for you real quick. <laughs> if someone wants to back this idea, <laughs> you can email me. Or send gotcha. me a message. <laughs> Are you going to be like the... Like I'm the only the event or... coordinator. Okay. I don't do any math and or like businessy things. If you want to be the business side of this, I'm okay with that. With me? No, I meant oh. like whoever. <laughs> not you. I don't want to. No, 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 no. You get to be a co... I don't know. Whatever you want to be. You could be that person up in the... Up in the, up in the thing that's like got a uh, thing of money. I'm thinking of like drug movies. I'm realizing. I think so. Cool. I think so. I could be the hostess, and they can come in. And I'll be like, Hi, doll. How you doing? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. You've got a long fake cigarette. Yes. But it's actually just a, it's just a candy cigarette. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but you're in your PJs, but they're like silk. Oh, I thought maybe it I like could be robe. in like one of those like those those the nineties with the marabou trim, you know. Oh, those are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. A heel like a kitten flippers. heel. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna have to get a whole bunch of PJ sets. Okay. I'm sure people are like, what the fuck happened to Sam Cook? I'm sorry, <laughs> Sam Cook. We don't care about your dumb riffing about some dumb club. So anyway. It's not a dumb club. Okay. We're gonna It's my business. Back to the story. <laughs> Um, in the club, Sam got in a heated argument. <laughs> in the, the club. club. Thank <laughs> you, 50 Cent. <laughs> he got in a heated argument with a guy who had been hitting, was hitting on the girl boy or was, you know. I mean, was the guy also married? Because it feels like maybe he had a better <laughs> shot. In the 1960s, probably was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she asked Sam to take her home and they left at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
According to her case, account... I realize that this is not visual. In case you didn't hear that, I was doing the universal sign for sex. Yeah, okay. Continue. According to her account, mm-hmm. Sam was speeding down Santa Monica and against her protests pulled onto the freeway. She later told police that she was asked again to be taken home, but Sam said, don't worry now, I just want to go for a little ride. He stroked her hair and told her how pretty she was. Sam drove straight to the Hacienda Motel. Boyer said that she was again that she again asked to be taken home. He got out of the car and walked up to the glass partition at the manager's office while Boyer remained in the car. You gotta listen to these details. Right. They are important. Um, he tried to register under his own name, but the clerk, Bertha Franklin, saw Lisa in the car, the girl in the car, and she told Sam that he'd have to sign in as a married couple, which was a real standard thing in I've those days. I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. To, like you couldn't. You had to check in as a couple. Yeah, I forgot. Um, Sam drove around the back of the motel. Boyer claimed he then dragged her into the room, pinned her on the bed, and started to tear her clothes off. Yeah, it sounded real rapey. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was sounding rapey before the actual rapey. Yeah. Now, now remember, it's... this is all her account, I'm just too. throwing it I'm out just, there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going one way or the other. No, I got gotcha. you. This is all her account. I'm just saying, from my standpoint right now... Yeah. Driving around, telling a girl she's real pretty, and then going up to a motel when she's like, can I go home? Sounded real rapey. For sure. Now, I don't know what happened because I'm listening to this for the first time. Yes. So, continue. Roxy, I will kill you. Um, I knew he was going to rape me, she told the police. She went into the bathroom and tried to lock the door, but the latch was broken. Not very good motel etiquette. Yeah. Can you get to pause and make the bell shut up? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We're pausing. Hold on. Ah! Hold on. I can't reach it. Ah! There it is. There it goes. All right. We're back. Sorry. Hopefully she won't start in again. Anyway. Okay. So she went to the bathroom, tried to lock the door. The latch was broken. She tried the window, but it was painted shut. Damn, son. When she came back out, Sam was already undressed. He groped her, and then he went into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boyer, who was now wearing a slip and a bra, picked up her clothes and fled. The first thing she said she did was pound on the night manager's door. Uh, but the night manager, Bertha Franklin, didn't answer. Mm-hmm. She then ran a half a block, dumped her clothes on the ground, and got dressed. Tangle, tangled among her clothes was Sam's shirt and pants. She left them on the ground, found a phone booth, and called the police. Meanwhile, Sam, who was wearing one shoe and a sports jacket, had come back out of the room Wait, completely naked, but just a shoe and a sports jacket? I think he probably still had his underwear on, but his pants and his shirt were gone. Okay. Um, He drove the Ferrari back to the manager's office, and he banged on the office door Mm -hmm. and said, Is the girl in there? He yelled. Um, According to Bertha Franklin, when she said no, Sam began to work at the locked door and ram it with his shoulder. Jesus. The frame ripped loose and the latch gave. Sam charged in, looking for Boyer. Right. He grabbed Bertha's wrist. Where is the girl? They got into a tussle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bertha Franklin. Is this corroborated by Bertha? This is, this is part of this is her, like, like the part earlier, she didn't know she wasn't there, but this part here is now her story. Okay, okay. So it is corroborated. That's what I was trying this to figure This part out. is, yes. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Franklin, though shorter than Sam, outweighed him by about 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, she told the police, he fell on top of me. I tried to bite through that jacket, biting, scratching, and everything. Finally, I got up, and when I kicked him, I ran and grabbed the pistol off of the TV, and I shot at close range three times. Jesus. Yeah. Two of the bullets missed, but the third entered his left side, p- 
passing through his left lung, Mm -hmm. his heart, and his right lung. Sam fell back and in astonishment said what was his last words, Lady, you shot me. I mean, true. Yeah. Uh, Bertha claims that he got up again and ran at her and she hit him over the head with a broom handle and this time he stayed down. When the police arrived, he was dead. Yeah. Five days later, at the coroner's inquest, Boyer and Franklin recounted their stories in a hasty proceeding that barely allowed Sam's lawyer one question. Oh. Tests showed at the time of the death, Sam had a blood alcohol level of 0.16. Woof. Yes, 0.08 is considered yeah, too drunk I know. to drive. That's double yes. and then a little extra. Yes. His credit cards were missing. Oh. His money clip had $108 in this jacket in the in the pocket there was a money clip with 108 dollars right. in the jacket pocket okay now this isn't in his pants pocket and people had said that night at uh, like several people at the club and at the restaurant said that sam kept pulling this wad of money out that had like a couple thousand dollars in it he okay. was really flashing his money around and then they only find 108 dollars on him in his in his jacket, jacket which he had with him okay yes so but his credit cards weren't found. His credit cards weren't found, nor was Word. the rest of this cash, if he truly did have this much of cash. Which, right. like I said, there was a lot of people that said he had a lot of money on him. Right. Would he have put it in his pants pocket, which were... Which, yes, that's, that okay. is a possibility. Okay. Just curious. Um, the shooting was ruled as justifiable homicide. Case closed. Wow, fast. Yes, and it was very fast. But many people believe there's more to the story. One problem is Alyssa Boyer's story, the girl's story. Mm-hmm. First, she testified that she met Sam at a Hollywood dinner party. Okay. Okay, well, she didn't. She, she met didn't. him she at just, a restaurant. Just, yeah. Yes. And she didn't mention the restaurant or the club they were at. She said that she was kidnapped by Sam, and she couldn't escape because his car was going too fast. But when he went and registered at the motel, he got out of he the got car, out of the car, and he was up there her. registering right. for a little, you know, probably a good ten minutes because... Ish. You know, he's trying to register. Bertha sees the yeah. girl sitting there, and she's like, you know. <laughs> nice try, mister. No, you have to make it a, you know, man and wife. Right. Yeah, so there's a little bit of time passed. Um, many people testified that he was carrying a large amount of cash that night, but they only found $108 on his, on his clothes. Okay. You know, his body. Uh, about a month after the shooting, Alyssa Boyer was arrested in Hollywood for prostitution. Oh, Okay. The Hacienda Motel was also known as a hangout for sex workers. Oh, I didn't know that. In 1979, Alyssa Boyer was found guilty of second-degree murder in the death of a boyfriend. Oh. Yeah. Um, and the hotel who sh- the hotel clerk who shot him, Bertha Franklin, the one that actually shot Sam. Right. She was an ex-madam with her own criminal record. Okay. This is getting messier and messier. Yeah. So one of the possible conspiracies, there's several conspiracies well, yeah. out. Uh, one of the possible conspiracies is that Boyer and Franklin were working together, and okay. that maybe Boyer said, "Oh, let's go to the hacienda." Right. She was. They're trying to roll him. Basically, they're trying to steal the money. Right. And then it got out of hand. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. So, there. The other theory was that they were hired by Alan Klein to bump off Sam, so that. Klein would have, you know, uh, yeah, the, the recordings, the recordings and, and rights and royalties and yeah, yeah. all that I'm good stuff. less inclined to that one, just because... But is there any evidence that they even knew him? Well, no. There's, yeah, see. There, there, I, there's no evidence that they knew him, number one. And number two, although he would profit off of Sam's death, he's not going to profit as much as Stan, if Sam still stays alive right. with the recording. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, it's all those, like, 
the whole Biggie Tupac thing when yeah. they talk about did uh, uh what's his name bump off his producer Tupac's producer whose name I, is escaping me right now there's theories what Suge Knight Suge Knight thank oh you. I'm, Jesus so there's there's theories about that, and I'm not saying that it's not. I'm, who knows? I'm not getting on Shug Knight's bad side, no matter what's said. <laughs> but but if you if you like if you are invested in somebody, it doesn't make sense. You're like, well, I can make some money if they die, but it's like, yeah, but I'm gonna make more money if they yeah, still stay alive. Yeah, but do you know how many recording. freaking posthumous human? Oh no, I know. Like, Tupac has had. Oh, I know that. I know that. But I'm saying that it it still makes more sense I'm if the artist it. is still alive making money. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, listen. I, what I'm saying is recording is not the same as fine art. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm just stuff goes up in value after they die. I'm just saying at this. I'm not getting on it. Shug Knight's bad side. That man is in jail. Oh no. Well, I'm see, I'm actually shit. saying he didn't do it. That's fine. So, I'm gonna kick myself out of the equation. Oh, that's no problem. Okay. I'm. I'm just saying. That, like I said, that's why the Alan Klein one makes less sense to me. It does make sense to me that there's a possibility that, you know, they wanted to rob him. That makes sense. They wanted to rob him, and that's and that's probably all they were thinking of doing is robbing him. Yeah. And then when he kind of went a little crazy. Well, yeah. A little crazy. Um, I mean, the dude was drunk off his ass. He was very drunk. Um, he, I think he he had always been somebody who always always played around. Mm-hmm. He always like he was a playboy okay. for sure throughout both of his marriages. Right. Um, I believe he had a couple kids out of wedlock. Um, yeah, Sam yeah. was just. He a likes ladies the ladies. Man. Gotcha. Okay. He was a ladies' man for okay. sure. So, um, yeah, and like I said, all he had, he was so drunk that night. You know. Is it possible she working as a sex worker? Then. Alyssa Boyer. Yeah. It's very possible because she was uh, convicted of it. What was it? Uh, a month after the shooting. Okay, so is it possible? So she probably was. Is it possible that he actually legitimately hired her? Very possible. And then spent the money, and then she was like, no, we're not doing whatever you want to do, and then that actually, there was an altercation? Of course. Okay. Of course. Just curious. Yeah, I, I, mean, just, I was just curious about what is, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, is that no one really knows, and the two main witnesses are unreliable narratives. Right. So, you know, yeah, it's like, it's like, who knows? Yeah. Um... But ultimately, I mean, it's it is a tragedy. I mean, for Sam sure, was obviously he's engaging in activities that he shouldn't be engaging. Yeah, in. but that doesn't mean he should die. But yes, or be killed. Yeah, and um, and who knows? Like, uh, I, we don't know exactly what happened truly in the hotel room right. that would have made him so outraged. Like, he might have been like, he might have come out of the bathroom and she's gone, and his giant clip of money's gone. Possibly. And, and he's not chasing her down because he's trying to do something sexually to her. Right. He wants his money back, so he, that's why he runs and tries to break into the well, hotel. Well, yeah, thing. and they even said that her credit card, his credit card was exactly. gone, too? Exactly, his credit cards are gone. Were they ever, did they ever find I his credit I cards? I never didn't see anything okay. about that. I didn't see anything about that. I was that. just I curious. Mean, they didn't have the tracking. No, I knew. I just now, didn't so. know if they, like, if they had showed up. Yeah. Because if she said she had dropped his pants, like, you know, at, yeah. in the street or whatever, then you would think that the credit card would at least show it was plastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, No, I, I do think know. they took them. Too. Okay. If, if that's the case. Right. That they were robbing him, I think. Oh, no, if they were robbing him, for yeah. sure. I'm just saying that if we're giving her the benefit of the oh, doubt. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, they, they, okay. they were never they found. Okay, they were never found? Okay. Yeah, just curious. So, yeah. I mean, it could be, like, this the thing. 
usually with these kind of cases, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know? Exactly. It's some somewhere in the middle. Maybe she did feel like she was under duress. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to believe that Bertha maybe felt she was more under duress well, I, I since think, she's the yeah, one who I, I do shot think him. That, that I don't think that Bertha just got at the gun and shot him. I, no. I think, like, I, I think that obviously the police could see the door was broke down. Yeah. You know, he was in some way threatening Bertha. Yeah. And oh, well, that's and why she, she even, shot him. She even said a thing about biting him. Yeah. Which makes me think that he might have had bite marks on him. Possibly. You know? Possibly. Um, so, yeah, I do think, I, but I, but whether or not there was uh, a conspiracy to rob him. Yeah, that's all murky. Whether it was just Alyssa, whether there was a conspiracy at all, whether it was just Alyssa that was doing it, mm-hmm. whether it was the two of them in cahoots, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Weird. Yeah. How uh, old was he when he passed? Oh, gosh. Um, Sorry. You know, I wasn't terribly old. 30-something. 30 30-something? 30 I was just curious. He was born in 31. And this happened in... Sorry. Hold on, there's rustlings of papers. Rustlings of papers. This was in 63? Okay. 64. So he was 33? 33, okay. Yeah. yeah. Just he curious. Was, he was pretty young. Okay. I didn't know if he was part of the club. No, no, no he was older than that. Okay. Not tons older than No, not close. Yeah. No, that's actually pretty close. That's why yeah. I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in 1986, he was inducted as a charter member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, that's cool. In 1987, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And in 1994, he received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Are his uh, kids still alive in... You know, I don't know, but here I've got a little side note. Okay, cool. This is interesting. Go. Three months after his death, his widow, Barbara, mm-hmm. married his friend, Bobby Womack. Okay. In March of 1965. Later, his daughter, Linda, mm-hmm. had an affair with Bobby Womack. Her stepdad? Her stepdad. All right. And then she married his brother, Okay. Cecil Womack, and they became the du- the duo Womack and Womack, and they became a recording. <laughs> Their family tree must look fucking nuts. Yeah, it's it's a uh, close. It's, it's a close. It's a family. close family, <laughs> and it's none of it's technically incest. No, but it's close family. But they're definitely uh, what's that called when like you're... gross? Well, I was gonna say. <laughs> There's a term for it when you're brothers and you've had sex with the same girl. Gross. It, I think it's like Eskimo brothers or something like that. I don't know. I could be super wrong. Wow. Never but I'm pretty term. sure it's a term. Eskimo brothers. That sounds vaguely racist. It might be. I don't remember. I'm just relaying the, I think it might be called uh, that. Let me, let me, let me okay, do a little research. Okay. You, you gab for a second. Okay. Uh, well, th- I mean, that's pretty much the end of it. Sam Cooke, I, you know... Like I said, he didn't have great behavior when he was alive, but his music is beautiful. His voice was just so, so beautiful. And very, still, I think, pretty well known. It's called an Eskimo brother. I was not. Eskimo I was brother. I was actually oh. right. Did they say why it's called that? Hold on, I'm reading. It's on Urban Dictionary, so take this with a grain of salt. Because all in the same igloo? You're actually right. I think you're <laughs> actually right. That's when terrible. two males acknowledge having been intimate with... Oh, so it doesn't have to be your brother-brother. Okay. 
uh, acknowledge be having been intimate with the same female and remain on good terms. The men are now bonded by having shared the same igloo at one time or another. That's gross. That is actually super gross. I'm so sorry that I knew that. I'm also sorry that it's called Eskimo yeah. for many reasons. Oh, that's rough. Okay. But well, I do remember that being like a thing that people said in high school. That comes to the end of our episode. <laughs> Me reading the definition of Eskimo yeah. Brothers. No, do you do you have anything you, you want to say about Sam Cooke or, uh, or anything like that? It's, it's real murky. Crazy, it? It's yes. real murky. Yes. It's a real murky one. Yeah. There's a lot of um, speculation. Yeah, it, there really is. And it's like... It, it definitely feels to me that there was something... In, like, somewhere in the middle of they wanted to rob him and then shit got out of hand. Yes. That kind of sounds yeah. the most likely. Yeah. Or, like, at least one of them wanted to rob him. Who knows? You know, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know who wanted to rob him. But yeah. someone wanted to rob him, and then shit just got a little crazy. I mean, he was fucking drunk. Yes. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Well, and that's, like I said, I, it kind of makes me think that, um, I, I, I've never seen any other stories of him being aggressive with women. Yeah. He, he, like I said, he screwed around a lot. But I've but, never heard any terms of, like, they talked about him being aggressive with right. women. And for somebody to, like, frantically chase down somebody seems more like they were being robbed more than, like, it feels, it feels like if you were, like, like, number one, if he was in the process of committing this assault on her, why would he be like, oh, well, before I finish the act, I'm just going to go into the bathroom. Right. You know, knowing that very well that she's going to, like, walk out the, the door. The door, yeah. So that's a little bizarre to me. Yeah, that would be weird. Um, and believe me, I, I want to I wanna believe the woman. But no, I know. <laughs> so I'm not going to make apologies for any man committing an assault. If this is just a weird um, case. It's a weird case. You know. And, and then, like I said, for somebody to be, like, so, like, aggressively trying to get to her seems more like it was because she stole from me. Right. And I want to get my money back. Well, that's the thing, too, is, like, a lot of famous-y kind of crimes and stuff are usually money-motivated. Yeah. You know, that seems to be... Often. A, often. I, I mean, I'm thinking in the term of, like, rock stars and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's usually money-driven. Yeah. yeah. So, even even just petty, like, you know, petty crimes and stuff like that. It's usually money-driven. Yeah. So, it wouldn't surprise me if this was also money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Uh, personally. And I kind of get the feeling that Bertha wasn't... I think she was probably just trying to fucking turn her life around and got caught up in this. Yeah, I don't I don't think that she was involved in the conspiracy. In no, that, I don't in think that so. Sense. And I think that that ultimately does make the killing to be a justifiable homicide because oh, she sure. felt like she was being attacked. I mean, she kind of was, she was Well, she was. Yeah. I mean, and she needed to defend herself. Yeah. Um, to me, I think, I think Bertha was legitimately just doing her job. Yeah. You know? So I, that has, I don't hold very much weight in like there was a conspiracy between both of them. I don't hold much weight in that. Yeah. And definitely the fact that they never said that the credit cards turned up. Right. Makes you think they were stolen. Exactly. They otherwise they would have been like with his clothes. With or his in clothes. The hotel room or I something. mean, even if even if they didn't find his clothes, which you said they found his clothes. Yeah, they found his clothes. So then they would have been with his clothes. Because I was mm -hmm. gonna say, even if they didn't find his clothes, 
they would have found that because clothes can clothes disintegrate. Yeah. After a long time. Yeah. Shocker. They're usually they're biodegradable. Well, no, I mean they found them that night. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. Well, they I'm found just them saying where she said they were. Yeah. See, so to me that that's that sounds like yeah he was robbed. Yeah. And the and the other thing is is that I mean. Because if they hadn't found his pants, they still would have found his credit card if it was there. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Because credit cards are plastic. Yeah. Even in the 60s. Well, and also the thing is, like, she said she grabbed her clothes and accidentally grabbed his clothes, too. I feel, I find that weird because um, I, it just seems like... I mean, unless they were all in one pile. But it also, doesn't it seem like men's clothes are, like, it's a full, full-on full pair of pants and a shirt. That's like a big scoop to grab that much clothes. That's true. You know, I don't know. I Who knows? I don't know. I could see a world where she went for the pants and then the shirt came with it. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Because she's trying to get out of there fast. She, well, if she's trying to get money. out of there fast with the money, yeah. I could see a world where that's the possibility. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. I can see a world where it's a possibility. You said she was in her, like, like, sorry, it's because <laughs> my back is a little funny. I'm sitting weird. Um, I can also see a possibility where if she stole some of the cash from his jacket, put it in, which she had, like, a bra on or something, right? Yeah. Put it yeah. in her bra, was going to take the jacket, too, and then he came out, and she just grabbed the first thing she fucking grabbed, awesome. which would be shirt and pants. Yeah. yeah. Which is very possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the one. Yeah, and I don't know what she had on that night. It was December. Yeah. It was California. So yeah. I would assume she had some kind of a jacket like a or jacket, coat or but probably on. nothing super heavy. Exactly. I mean, he was in, what, just like a jacket and button-down? Yeah. And, and pants. I mean, I don't know if she was a sex worker. Was she actually on the job that night? Who knows? You know, who, yeah, who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. That might have been, like, she would go to, like... Oh yeah, that's what I meant. We don't know. We don't know if it's possible. if he genuinely hired her. Yeah, we don't know. And then she tried to rob him. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Because that would also explain where some of this cash went. Yeah, exactly. If he did genuinely hire her. Yeah. You know. But it wouldn't have been thousands. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that that would explain a little bit of it. But yeah. if he's pulling it, pulling out this giant wad of cash, oh, for sure. And he pays her whatever, yeah. and her eyes go ka-ching, like exactly. a cartoon. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, if he's throwing money around, yeah. I mean, someone's gonna just, look over and go, "That dude's got a giant pile yeah, of cash." Yeah. You know. Yep. It's just gonna. It'll just remain a mystery. Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. For sure. Like I said, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. How about oh, you? Case closed. Case closed. <laughs> solved. Rachel solved it. I did it. I closed the book on that. Everyone can go home. It's a crazy story, though. It it's, is really. It's crazy, like, especially, like, because I, I know it. I've known it, of course. Yeah. It's funny that it's not something that people know anymore. I didn't know it. Yeah. Because it know. is, because it's a pretty shocking death. Yeah. And especially, especially the other thing is, is that at the time that it happened, he had a real clean cut image. Yeah. You know, he's a family man. He's singing these very romantic songs. Well, yeah. I mean, he used to be a gospel artist. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. got all these, he's gospel like, artists, yeah. Then, he's, then he's, his music was, like I said, very romantic, very lovey, very, like, um, that kind of puppy love. Oh, innocent, yeah. Yeah. You know, and for then, all of a sudden, it's like, well, he's been shot dead <laughs> after attacking a woman, chasing right. down another woman out of a seedy motel. Right. I don't think the Hacienda Motel was, was, a, Hacienda. <laughs> was a, a high-class joint. <laughs> anyway, 
You're talking so, like the, it was a high-class joint. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very, very shocking at the time. Oh, for sure. Like I said, for my generation and stuff like that, it wasn't one of the ones that stuck, I guess, yeah. as like a story of, you know. Yeah. We always, you know. I, I'm also, I was born in 94, so this would have been quite a bit before I was born. Yeah. So all the like shocking rock star kind of stories were all 80s stories. Yeah. From what well, I heard. I, the other thing I think is that, you know, to a large extent, like there was all these things that happened and, you know, we'll probably talk about this more in a later episode, but there was all of these things that happened, these like shocking things that happened with that and with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And, yeah. You know, and, his, and this all happened in the early 60s. His child bride. His child bride, sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's like, what it is. is. Yeah, this is the, like the late 50s, early 60s. Um, you had Chuck Berry being convicted on the Mann Act. Oh, yeah, had, I forgot about that. Yeah, so there was all this stuff happened. And then around the same time, um, then Elvis goes into the army. Right. So he's out of commission. And so then... He for, finds his own child bride. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a couple of years where there was... A lot of the music was the very... There was, like, all the girl groups came in then, which were fantastic. Well, yeah. But then there was also a lot of the real sanitized, clean-cut, kind of doo-wop-y right. um, music that came in. And it was all, like, those guys in their, like, you know, Letterman sweaters and, you know, yeah. very, very, very like sanitized. clean-cut. Very, very clean-cut. Yeah, cut. yeah. Um, I think that's a lot when Pat Boone had something. That's what I was going to say. Um, and then... In 1964, yeah. the Beatles swept everything out of well, there. Well, yeah. Just, just they did a clean... Swept it all yeah. out. They Marie so, Kondo'd the whole fucking place. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. So I think a lot of, like, by that time, a lot of these shocking things had kind of... Died down. Died down a little bit. And people kind of forgot about them. Yeah, that's probably why, like I said, when the 80s shock rock and conspiracy and all that kind of stuff, and, and then things like goth rock, like Marilyn Manson and everything like that came around, I was younger. Yeah. Uh, and I remember all those kind of stories. You know, I yeah. know the snorting ants story. Yeah. I know the biting a bat's head off. Yeah. I know the removing a rib to suck your own dick Marilyn Manson story, yeah. which I, I love. I love rock and roll urban legends. I'll probably do a whole... Yeah. I would love to write an episode on that, yeah. so... Uh, but that's all the stuff that I've heard. Yeah. That that was, like, the shocking stuff. Yeah. Because it was also, this is also, like, the 90s, so it's, like, gross out culture was a mm -hmm. huge thing, like, fear factor. Yeah. So, I don't know why. And, like, Jackass, which I yeah. fucking love. There's nothing wrong with Jackass. I mean, there's a couple things wrong with Jackass. But, like, <laughs> but, like, that was all. The shock value wasn't, oh, this person was killed. The shock value was, this person's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I think, I think we did it. Yep. Uh, Woohoo! Thanks, Billy Zen, for our theme song. Thanks, you, Billy. I know you. Thank you, sir. And thank you, Rachel, for our logo. You're welcome. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, we have an Instagram, Tales in the Rocks, Tales from the Rock side. Yup. And a Facebook. Please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Yes. And if you like us, tell everybody you know. Yeah. Recommend us. Bug all your friends. It will really help. Bug them all. Yep. Annoy them forever. Uh, we also do have an email if you want to contact us. Oh, it yeah. is, uh, what is it called? Rockside Tales at Gmail. Yes. The Instagram is also Rockside Tales on Instagram. You can also contact us through that. I run the Instagram. I will be the person you talk to. So I'm sorry if it sounds like a teenager. It's just me. <laughs> but you're not a teenager. I know, but I type like one. Oh, okay. Uh, that's it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Rockside.